Alright, let's see if I can get this one on the third take. Uh, Lord in Heaven, it is season seven. Oh, brother, get this guy out of here. Hey, hello, everybody. How are you? It is nice to see all of your smiling faces once again. Welcome to the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. It is the 37th episode overall since the podcast began, and we are now entering into the show's seventh season. Can you believe it? I sure can't. So this is the first episode of uh, season seven. It's me, ya boy, Kevin Krein, a.k.a. Kevy Fly. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time with the intro. There's going to be plenty of fine print at the end. This season is full of nothing but illustrious guests, insightful conversations, and an eclectic mix of tunes that everyone has provided. Today's guest is a singer and songwriter from Duluth, Minnesota. She released her first album under a new project around a year ago, and she is back with a new EP uh, under that same project name that just came out in the middle of April. So we talked about that. We talked about remaining creative during the last two years, and we talked about a delightful mix of music that she provided to share with us on the show. So please, folks, as you are able, put your motherfucking hands together for Sarah Kruger. I'm really appreciative that you were willing to do this, and thank you so much for taking time out of your afternoon and for sending me a, like a, a list of songs. I'm excited to hear the, the stories behind all of these. Sure, yeah. Um, and so before we get into the conversation, do you want to just take a quick moment to introduce yourself to the folks listening in podcast land and then kind of where they might know you from? Um, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, my name is Sarah Kruger, and I have a project that I release music under called Lanou, and I'm based here in Duluth, Minnesota. And um, I work with a lot of different you know, musicians and players in the region from Wisconsin to the cities to Duluth. And um, I have a new record coming out this Friday and uh, looking forward to to getting more music out in the world. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Maybe this is a good time to, to do that. So one of the questions that I've been asking people since um, I've been recording all of these with this remote service and like kind of reaching out to performers or artists regardless of if it's like a like a writer or a singer or songwriter um but how hard has it been to remain creative during the last two years or like how how has the shape of the world right now kind of either like how has it changed the way that you work as a musician or like has it changed it at all well honestly for me it's helped really kind of like fine tune and focus on what I really enjoy doing the most. And for me, I've realized these past couple of years, I really just, I love songwriting and collaborating and, and recording and being in the studio. Um, yes, I love playing live shows. Don't get me wrong, but there's like, <laughs> there's a certain, um, there's a certain amount of stress for me personally that comes along with like being in front of people um, performing 
my songs because the actual act of performing feels great. And when you're there, it's great. But everything that goes into getting everyone on the same page and getting your band's schedules together and booking the shows and promoting, that doesn't feel like my um, strong suit, right? Yeah, and so, yeah. Yeah. And so I've been able to kind of lean into like just embracing the things that I love the most about music and really it's, it's writing and it's collaborating and it's, it's recording and, and, um, and making the, making the songs, I guess. And that's been nice because these last, you know, couple years, there hasn't necessarily been like a full on stop on, being able to get together in small groups and, and still work sure. on crafting, crafting my songs. And so um, I'm kind of grateful that I've been able to like have that reflection, that time to reflect on what's most important to me. Yeah. And so the, your self-titled full length came out around a year ago mm-hmm. and then you have a new, the new EP comes out this week. But the It's a little different, like the first single you released off of it, there's a lot more, like, it's got some synthesizers, it's a little different than the self-titled, so kind of what what direction, are you taking things in a different direction, or do you want to talk a little bit about the creation yeah. of this EP in relation to the full length from last year? Right, Um. I well, I feel like I wanted to use this EP more as like an exercise for myself, in terms of, no, I'm not like you know, pivoting or going in a different direction genre wise in terms of like make myself as an artist, but I wanted to be able to like use a small collection of songs and say, all right, how can I approach this differently and really learn something and kind of step outside of my sonic wheelhouse. Okay. Yeah. And that feels like, I, I don't know. I think a five song EP is like a good opportunity for that. I don't love just recording singles like I like something to feel cohesive in terms of having at least a small collection of songs and so for me this EP was a good opportunity to be like all right let's um let's just experiment a little bit that doesn't mean that I won't be you know going back to having Americana or more like rootsy arrangements in the future it's more just yeah getting my kind of dipping my toes in in water that I haven't dipped them in before <laughs> okay <laughs> and i do you you're releasing it on a on a compact disc and yeah. i'm very excited about that because i still bang with cds and it, from our exchange on instagram it sounds like you do too yeah. um are you and i know that i mean the vinyl production is all hosed up and backed up and expensive and everything so was it ever in your mind to put this out on vinyl or was it always going to be like I want this as a CD because I want people to actually have something tangible to listen to these tunes on or kind of what what was the process with picking the way you wanted to present this collection yeah um well to be honest timing wise so I had released my full-length album the full-length Lanou album on vinyl 
and I had to do a reorder <laughs> um, <laughs> of that record just around That's... the same time as I was making a decision as to like okay. how I was going to release this EP. And, um, and because it's just five songs, I was mostly thinking about my experience listening to vinyl. And I really like to put on like a full length vinyl record when I'm listening to one because it's kind of annoying to be like, there's two songs and now I've flipped over. Yeah, I'm glad that's not just me. I mean, I love as much as I love, uh, you know, the double LP uh, special limited edition 180 gram vinyls, much as the next person does when there's two songs on a side. It's a little like, oh, boy, um, I know. Yeah. So and I'm, Right. Resource wise, I was like, it feels kind of like a waste of resources. <laughs> Like, you know, it's lovely to have vinyl, but it, with the weight and with the amount of time that I wanted to, like, get this out, I'm like, I just kind of want to push this out. I, I don't want to do, like, a long, drawn-out, you know, release campaign. Sure. Yeah. I was kind of feeling like, you know what? CDs are sort of, like, this nostalgic vibe anyway for me lately. And um, and I it's think wild. It's, really- it's wild to think of CDs as being nostalgic. Because, <laughs> I mean, I... I am going to be 39 this year. Mm-hmm. I have only, I mean, my parents had a huge vinyl collection. I buy records. They've always been a part of my life, but CDs were such, I mean, that is the thing that I grew oh. up with from age Thanks. six until now. Absolutely. And so for people to be like nostalgic for compact discs, I'm like, Oh, I feel it has me feel in some type of way, but I am yeah. glad that people are still keeping the format alive. Cause it's like, my car still has a CD player. It's like, I still play them at home. Yep. It's very, it's a convenient, like it's nice. And not everybody has the means to do an L like a vinyl LP. So right. I'm, I'm glad that you're bringing the format back, baby. Like it's yeah, the thanks. late nineties, early two thousands, <laughs> like Sam Goody never went away. Never. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to have a ch- tangible, a tangible reminder on your shelf of a piece of music that you can come back to lately. And you know, CDs can do that. Like it yeah, can just spark, sure. someone's, spark someone's memory and be like, let's put that put that on again or at least look at it and, and yeah. you know whatever you might look at it and end up streaming it that's fine too <laughs> but it's, it's I mean I, I don't know how you feel about like streaming music or like digital even like just like a download but it's like I I mean yes I use those services but it's also kind of like it's very easy to like not listen to things when it's just taking up space on your computer yeah and it's like I enjoy having that kind of like let me put five discs in the changer or let me like pick what records I'm going to put on for the night and have that connection. It's like yeah. you're less connected to the music when it's just like some shit on my hard drive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yo, remember yeah. back on the bully when cats used to harmonize like, <laughs> yo, yo, my men and my women, don't forget about the day. This is not the most the king, yo. It's about a thing, uh, yeah. Feel real good with your hands in the air and lick two shots in the Called you again. Remember when he told you he was about to bend your man? You act like you ain't him. They give him a little trim to begin. Now you think you really gonna pretend like you wasn't down and you called him again. Plus, when you give it up so easy, you ain't even fooling him. If you did. 
get it then, and you probably yeah. Talking out your necks, and you're a Christian. A Muslim sleeping with the gin. Now that was the sin that did Jezebel in. Who you gonna tell when the repercussions spin? Showing off your ass, cause you thinking it's a trend, girlfriend. Let me break it down for you again. You know I only say it cause I'm truly genuine. Don't be a hard rock when you really are a gin, baby girl. Respect is just the minimum. You have sent me a list of tunes, um, and I'm, I'm just we're gonna go through these in the order that you put them in on this list, and I'm excited to hear where these fall into your life. And so the first one is Lauren Hill, Miss Lauren Hill, um, <laughs> "Do Wop That Thing." So this is, I mean, a classic song, classic album, iconic artist. Where, I guess, what metric did you use when you picked this list, and kind of where are we um, with this one in your life? You know. I feel like I'm a deeply nostalgic person. And so when I was thinking about songs that have shaped my life, I kept going back to songs from when I was maybe most impressionable. So middle school, high school, like, and you know what? Like those songs have, I'm in my mid thirties. Those songs are still with me. All the words, I mean, you know, the impact they had on me. And so I kind of went with like a nostalgic lens when choosing these, this list of songs, um, because I figure if they can still be in my mind at this point in my life, however many years later, then, then, um, they were important to me. So, yeah. yeah. So with, with this Lauren Hill record, um, I chose this song specifically, I think I was like a sixth grader and I remember having the CD in my shop class and we would put this on every day and like saw stuff and fan <laughs> stuff. And like, I don't remember what we were making or what we were doing, but we felt like super empowered as middle schoolers. It was like, I don't know. There was, there was just this element of joy, um, joy to this song specifically. Um, you know, almost like, you know, we're like starting to figure out like, ooh, we're dating boys and like kind of getting our like clicks in middle school sure. or whatever. And um, this song has such a like joyous vibe of like po- being like a powerful, you know, like a powerful like preteen. That's what it com- comes into my mind, you know. Um and then later in life, I like, I, well, I performed this song live with a man that lived in Duluth, lives in Duluth. And this was about eight years ago, nine years ago. And I asked him to come sit in on this song live. And he is still my partner all these years later. So <laughs> this my, my boyfriend. And so that, that also has a significance oh. for me. Yeah. Oh, that's such a sweet story. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was like, let's do a throwback, like hip hop song and chose this one and asked him to come sit in because he was in um in a hip hop band in town. And, and yeah, and we're still dating to this day. Uh, come again.
how do you arrange um a tune like this to be kind of like stripped down to i mean did you did you keep it kind of in the vein of like the the kind of piano progression that keeps it going or did you put it on kind of like acoustic instrumentation like how do you translate something like this to a cover we went all out we had horns we had um yeah keyboards i don't think i even played anything i just sang and rapped um and it was for how's your flow are you are you ever gonna do like a a hip-hop side project i don't know i'm pretty um i'm pretty good at rapping i might bars these are bars you don't (laughs) you real yeah. hip-hop you don't know nothing about that <laughs> i don't know but, but i yeah i i um i think we went pretty much as full out as we could in terms of arrangement yeah so yep i love that i'm yeah. also captivated at so are you from are you from duluth originally or are you from elsewhere originally i'm I, trying to remember because I, I yeah i grew up in eau claire wisconsin that's what i, I thought yeah. i moved to duluth in 05 when okay I, went to umd and i've been here ever since i find it so so fascinating that you were in a shop class (laughs) and that this was this album would be played in shop class because i just like the different high school experiences or like middle school experiences that people have is so fascinating to me because it's like the only class that i listened to music in when i was uh in middle school high school was art class oh sure and i don't think we ever could have gotten away with playing lauren hill (laughs) in in the class and so just like i i am imagining young people in a shop class listening to this album and i think that's great and yeah i'm like damn i wish i had had that kind of an experience because we just had my hippie art teacher and her like (laughs) bare naked ladies cd and that was that was it and so man that's great what a cool memory to have and to hang on to this oh yeah yeah i mean i just remember singing and you know rapping every line with these girls that we would be working on projects and it's like you know guys you know you better watch out some girls and just like Oh, yeah. vibing, you know, and it vibin', was our favorite yeah. class. It was our favorite class just because we got to pick what kind of music we wanted to jam to. And yeah, I love that. Have you, I know, I mean, I know she's kind of a mercurial live performer. Have you seen Lauren Hill perform live at all? I never have. Okay. I never have. No, sadly, I never have. Yeah, it would be uh, a, rare. <laughs> yeah. I know, like, I mean, she does, she does tour, but it, it is, the tours are often like she the shows go on late if at all like it's very mm-hmm. it's tumultuous um yeah i do love i love this album a lot and i also the her unplugged album is just so compelling oh yeah it's beautiful yeah that's yep. yeah i'm glad the time has been kind of kinder to that because i remember when it came out people were very perplexed oh but yeah I think they finally wanted... mm-hmm. they found an audience finally with people who got it yes and how do you follow up the miseducation of Lauren? I know. Like, that well, is you, you really don't. You make a no. an unplugged album that yeah. it, half of your audience finds really frustrating, and then you go from there. Yeah, good for her.
apartment in the city Um, so the next one where I, I, I love the way that this list has been sequenced because we, we jump around an awful lot with, uh, with genres. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's great when people do that because it, it just keeps me in anticipation of the memories connected with each song. So we're drastically switching gears to John Prine. Oh yeah. And where are we now with this one and kind of what, what kind of impact has this had on you both personally or as like a, a singer and songwriter? You know, I, growing up, my parents would always host like dinner parties with families and friends. And we would have like a boom box on the back porch in the middle of summer. And there would be maybe like five or six CDs in rotation. And John Prine was always one of them. And um, my uncle also plays guitar and sings. And so he would like you know, campfire in the round type. <laughs> and and he, I remember being a kid and him playing this song. And it was like, maybe the first time I remember feeling like sad or like sadness from a song. Um, and I just think the lyrics are so beautiful. And it's, it's um, John Prine is like, just had a huge role in my life in terms of, of how he's so simplistic um, with his songwriting, but it always has such a, you know, such a deep emotion, whether it's a, a really happy and lightweight emotion or something that like just really tugs at your heartstrings. What could I say if he asked what's new? Nothing what's with you. Nothing much to do You know that old trees Just grow stronger And old rivers Grow wilder Every day Old people Just grow lonesome Waiting for someone To say Hello in So if you're walking down the street sometime, 
spot some hollow ancient ass Please don't just pass them by and stare As if you didn't care Say hello in there Were you always, like, when did you start singing and playing instruments like when did you develop like an interest in in music you know I was always a singer and writer ever since maybe elementary school always wrote poetry and sang um but I didn't start writing my own songs till like after college I didn't I, I didn't grow up playing an instrument um you know we had a piano in our house and I remember like choosing to play basketball instead. I was <laughs> my parents you, never forced me to do anything, you know. Do you still do you still hoop? Do you still get out there? Oh yeah. And, okay. Oh yeah. I definitely still hoop. I, I was just at the women's final four in, in Minneapolis. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. So um so anyway, you know, I I have music has always been a part of my life, but I'm not one of those kids that grew up like you know, playing scales and learning music theory. Sure. I have, I still have no idea. I just, I just <laughs> write. I'm just a writer, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So my, my journey is maybe a little different than most musicians, I guess. So Van Morrison and this one, I, I mean, a lot, a lot of this list, like some of these songs I didn't know I knew. And then when Mm -hmm. I got to them, I was like, oh, I do know this song. The Van Morrison song, I did not know. Um, So is, where are we with this one in, in your life and kind of how, what kind of impact has this, I know Astro Weeks is a very important album to a lot of people. So kind of what, how did this one end up on the list? You know, this one I chose, I was thinking back to those same days of like cookouts in the backyard mm-hmm. and my parents having a boombox with a, with a CD on and Van Morrison was one of, one of the artists that was always on. And, you know, there's the greatest hits and everything. And <laughs> those songs are great. And like they have a special place in my heart, but I chose sweet thing because the phrasing just kind of blows my mind. And so you know, as I started playing guitar and learning cover songs, like 
it was so hard for me to even like replicate Van Morrison's phrasing, you know, just like, we'll strum a merry way and jump the hedges first. Like he's, he's writing like he's like an Irish, like, you know, like medieval, like speaking. I, I don't know. Sure. Like, I just think his, his phrasing and, and his lyrics are so beautiful in this song. Um, and that's, that's why I chose of all the Van Morrison songs, that's why I think this one sticks out for me. Do you, um, I mean, with Van Morrison, do you return to his, like, I mean, do you return to Astral Weeks a lot or like his older, like kind of like the songs that people know or the songs that kind of had an, you know, the albums that made an impact early on? Do you listen, do you sit down and listen to this a lot? Like, Yeah, I'll, I'll put Astral Weeks on when I'm driving or like doing okay. chores around my house. Okay. It just like feels sunshiny to me. And, um, yeah, and I love it. It makes me, f- I love it as more as a passive listening. And I also love okay. trying to learn how to play the songs and and using it as inspiration for, for the phrasing. And yeah. And I will raise my hand up into the night I know Van Morrison has kind of become a polarizing figure just because mm-hmm. he's held some, he said some questionable things about the last, like over the last two years with the pandemic and everything. Do you like, does anything like when somebody has a persona that you struggle with, do you have a hard time separating that from the art that they make or does that impact, does that impact how you feel about this music now at all? Um, no, not at all. I, okay. I have like an uncanny ability to separate myself from that. I don't know what it is. Like I can still put on Ryan Adams records and oh wow, yeah, I just for, good for you. I can't. I, I just yeah. have a, yeah. It's, I don't know, and I I'm not. Um, it never rubs me the wrong way. I'm always just like just consuming the art, and I don't. Okay. I don't have a problem separating the that's, persona. That's gotta be a good. I mean, that's a really that's good with when it's like something that you have held so dear to be able to hold on to the, the thing that brought you there in the first place, like the quality of the art or like what the art meant for you. And because it's like, I have been unable to do that with a lot of people. And so it has just been like, I've had to let that go. And like those records are not ones that I listen to anymore. So I'm, I'm, that's cool that you can still do that. And that like anti-vax, uh anti-pandemic uh hot takes is not impacting your ability to enjoy his tunes 
No, I mean, I could put on a John Prine record and then a Van Morrison one and I wouldn't, I wouldn't like in my mind, I know that there's a really sad connection there with John yeah. Paul passing away from COVID and yeah. you know what I mean? But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but I'm not, I, I, I like, I, you know, I've never been one to like obsessively focus on an artist as a personality. Um, when I, when I like their art, like I don't, okay. I don't really care about the backstory because I think what's important is whatever a piece of art means to you and however you interpret that in your own life. And that's why it moves you. Don't ever fucking question that. 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 Enough to hold you to the brightest of lights, to place you dangerously close to that sun. Enough to acknowledge the flaws you can't ignore And recognize the cause of what's done is done More than enough to put my name behind my ideals And neglect my logic twice daily Enough to keep me looking for my Lucy in the sky with gems When I remember how you used to call me baby Enough to look in my mirror with the test For every tear you shed regardless of why you wept Enough to curse any man who can't appreciate the depths of the ocean I swam till I ran out of breath I love you, don't ever fucking question that That's why we'll probably never get along If I was better at finding the right words to say I wouldn't need to write these motherfucking songs I love you. I love you. Never. never. Don't ever fucking question that. Um, anything else about Van Morrison before we drastically switch <laughs> gear? No, I'm excited to see what's next. I don't remember the order. Let's oh, it's atmosphere. Don't ever oh, cool. fucking question that. Yeah. And I was so I I made this I made a playlist of the songs that you sent me and I I go on my stupid little mental health walks in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um and so I was playing this on my walk and I I wasn't looking at my phone and the Van Morrison song ended and then this song started <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a wild transition when we actually yeah. have this conversation." So I mean, based on kind of what you said about your love of the Lauryn Hill record and kind of your like your interest in hip hop, this is not surprising to me now. But when you sent this list over to me, I was very like, how do we get from all these folk and kind of like iconic acoustic artists to this song? So where are we now with atmosphere kind of like at what point in your life do you yeah. listen to a lot of hip-hop like what is it about this song and um and atmosphere as a group yeah um i in middle school i went through like a really deep underground hip-hop phase okay like all, you know and that was like just kind of when atmosphere was coming on the scene like i remember going to my first show i ever, ever went to at first ave um was an atmosphere show and it was maybe like half full and um and this song in particular, as someone who is a writer, and I love to write poetry when I was in middle school, and this, the lyrics just like blew me away. It, it, I, I was so just entranced by, um, by this type of like underground white boy hip hop music. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, you know, um, like I watched a children scurry in circles around a two way mirror worrying about which side of the glass projects the reflection clearer. Like I just, I remember actually taking the song into my seventh grade language arts class and taking all the F words out when um, the assignment was like, share a poem that you love. Yeah. And I like wrapped the whole thing 
to my class. I was just obsessed with it. Um, and so, yeah, I do. I do listen to a lot of hip hop music and I, I have a, a, a special place in my heart for, you know, impeccable lyricists because it's the writing that gets me and, and just like the rhythmic information was jarring to me as like an 11 year old or 12 year old, you know, Riding the public transit, I study the blank stairs to answer my questions of how and why I got so many gray hairs. I take care of the nervous that runs through my extension cord, and I reflect on that reoccurring dream where we met the Lord. Single file lines to give her a pound, one at a time, but when I faced her, I attempted to embrace her. She looked so fine. I awoken from my sleep before her bodyguard had the chance to beat me to submission, and I still walk with my religion. I watch the children scurry in circles around a two-way mirror, worrying about which side of the glass projects the reflection clearer. I hear the whispers of the wind trying to get me to grin gassing me up about the love that i've plucked and i've been stuck within for every eclipse that stares at me from the other side of a paper cup of espresso i light a match beneath the kettle and for every set of lips that come attached and equipped with that program to seek success i bleed my ethics at a slow drip. i know a man who met a woman don't remember where Big beautiful eyes and light brown hair. She was from the burbs, he was from the south side of the city. This was back when Franklin Avenue was still pretty. Two different worlds apart, but the world is just a small town. We all know how people like to get down. Here we go, Aquarius, Pisces. Feel the flow of the fluid as I swim through it. To free my soul, push up the cane without the glove. Numb the pain, the magic from up above. What it does for the brain, make the love. Paint the picture, write the song. The player met a virgin, made a Virgo, named him Sean. Make the love, paint the picture, write the song. The player met a virgin, made a Virgo, named him Sean. Make the love, paint the picture, and write that song to the break of dawn. I love you. Don't ever fucking question that. That's why we'll probably never get along. I love a specific era of hip-hop, like the early to mid-90s, like golden age of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. I love the storytelling in so much of it. Sure, um, yeah. That's just like the the pictures that are painted are so evocative. And like as an like as a kid, I would hear it and I'd be like, "Oh, I hope my parents don't hear something that has these curse words." Or like, sure. "This is so dangerous for me to be listening to." But as an adult, I'm like, "This is such com- like a compelling narrative that's being constructed." And yeah, so I'm absolutely. glad that like other people can appreciate that kind of storytelling. Yeah. Is there anything else about atmosphere? Do you, I mean, atmosphere, are they still like a thing? Are they still popping? Or is it like, I don't well, follow I mean, Minneapolis hip hop that much anymore. So I don't, I don't really know. I mean, yeah. They still put out records. I just saw them live this past summer. Like it blows my mind. And I was like in the audience thinking like slug, has to be like 80 years old and I'm still 14. Like, I don't know, you know, like what is time? And I, <laughs> which I'm just, I know, like, you what know, is, it's what, so is, what is, what is time? That sounds what like. Is time? Yeah. It, it kind of blows my mind. Um, and just absolutely killing it. Like it, 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 the show was so good, you know? And so there is still relevance. And, and it's funny, I was a teacher for years and, Kids that I was teaching middle school to are now like in their late 20s. And, mm. you know, it was so fun, like being at that show. It was in Duluth. And um, and they they love atmosphere. They love that shit. And they feel like they grew up on that shit, yeah. too. And I'm just like, yeah, you d- you know, that's that that means like, yes, your band is still relevant and your work is still relevant. <laughs> like, you 
put all um, these records out and kids are still loving what, it. What did you teach a specific subject? I knew I didn't know that you were you had taught for a while because I think when when your self-titled the self-titled the new album came out last year there I read a bunch about it and you had like you had spent some time teaching. Did you teach a specific age, specific subject or like how did like how did you transition into education by the way? Yeah, well that's what I went to school for was okay. teaching secondary language arts. So I'm certified to teach five fifth grade through 12th grade but I ended up teaching the most hilarious subjects um (laughs) I was like so I taught you know I taught English I taught Mm -hmm. reading all that I kind of hopped around I did some like long-term history stuff in middle school I taught high school marketing and computer classes and then I was (laughs) how do you you teach marketing to high schoolers like oh I it's hilarious I I don't know anything about marketing and I'm like kind of an anti-capitalist. So it's like, <laughs> it was kind of a funny, you know, I actually remember having a whole unit on record labels. Cause I was like, all right, let's look at these records, find the target market. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but then I spent my last three years teaching elementary at a Montessori school. So, oh, okay. Okay. Taught all subjects. Yeah. When you when you said that you had the most hilarious subject, I just imagine you teaching PE or something oh, or like Well, I had many um, a long like sub. I was a sub for a couple years too and subbing in Fayette was absolutely a, a blast. You can play the game and you can act out the part though you know it wasn't written for you. But tell me how can you stand there? Ashamed to play the fool. But one thing can lead to another. It doesn't take any sacrifice. Whoa, father and mother, sister and brother. If it feels nice, don't think twice. Just shower the people you love with. Anything else about atmosphere? Atmosphere before we sw- drastically switch gears again to yeah. James to James Taylor. Shower the people, and this is I. This was one that so like I mean I don't think I grew up. I mean my parents did not, to my knowledge, play a lot of James Taylor, if, if any, in the house. But he is an artist that I was aware of, and I was familiar with some of the more familiar tunes like the big like you know the fire and rains whatever but this i heard the refrain of this when i was listening i was like why do i know this like i know this song already and i was very surprised so how are we getting from how what's the jump from atmosphere to james taylor here well if there is one yeah i you know i'm gonna be honest and just say it i'm not really a james taylor fan (laughs) person But <laughs> this is like my family's anthem. And so, you know, we get together and have our family reunions. It's a big Italian family, my mom's side of the family. And um, 
my uncle is a singer, songwriter, performer, and <laughs> we'll just like family band style have like put on shows for our family. So my cousin will drum and my uncle and I will play guitar. My aunt and myself will be singing. And this is like the one song that I think my family has like adopted as their as their anthem and so I couldn't not put this on the list because music in their family is so important even from like this peripheral like you know way like no one's really trained in music in my family and we're not music dorks but like we have these anthems and this one you know my family's been through a lot like unexpected deaths and losing people and um and music has always brought us together. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And that's been a huge impact in my life personally. So. Yeah. Just so, like, do, do members of your family really ride hard for James Taylor then that they would have adopted this, or like it was just a song that everyone it's, kind of glommed onto? Yeah, it's just in my uncle's repertoire, and okay. so you know, yeah, everyone just kind of glommed onto it, and and um, and you know, uh, like cheesy as it may sound, we'll be like holding hands and hugging in a circle while singing this. <laughs> That's like really heartwarming though. Um, I don't know. Like I, a couple other people who I've invited on the podcast who all like are singer songwriters or like playing a band. They've also picked not this song by James Taylor, but have talked about James Taylor, but they've Mm -hmm. talked about how they, it was something that their parents listened to that they Mm -hmm. hated as kids. But then as adults who were songwriting were suddenly like, do I like James Taylor? Or like (laughs) they had like these moments where they were like, Oh shit. Like a lot of my, the way I write music is informed by James Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. You know, he's got the classic (laughs) structures and the sing along choruses and nothing wrong with James Taylor. I just wouldn't put on a James Taylor record and be like, I love this, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's going to hear this and he's not going to be happy. (laughs) The 
the Benettis will not be happy. That's my mom. <laughs> my mom's side of the family. They'll be like, "Can't believe you dissed James Taylor on that podcast." <laughs> the group chat's going to be blowing up when oh, this hits be, the yeah. internet. Times have gone and left my sad home. Friends who once cared just walk out my door. Love has no So Bonnie, we're, now we're getting into Bonnie Raitt, and I think this was another song that I vaguely recognized, but I was not familiar with because, I mean, I, my family, I don't think, listened to Bonnie Raitt at all when I was growing up, which is too bad because she's great, and I, anything I hear of hers, I really enjoy. But Love Has No Pride, so where are we Where are we now with this one? And like Bonnie Raitt, has she had a big influence on you as a, as like a performer at all? Um, yeah, so I picked this one because I think definitely as a singer and a vocalist, my my earliest memories of singing are singing Bonnie Raitt songs like into a hairbrush with my aunt, you know, <laughs> as like a five, four or five year old maybe. And um, yeah, and we would sing, you know, people not talking. Yeah, I, something like, to talk about is a bop. That's for absolutely sure. a bop. It, yeah, absolutely a bop. And so so I, I couldn't not put Bonnie. I mean, she is, her voice is otherworldly. I mean, you can't replicate it. It's so beautiful. And if I could pray, my prayer would never end. But if you want me to beg, I'll fall down. And this song I didn't come into later in my life in terms of, you know, like, I don't know, my early 20s. Um, when I saw her perform it in a live recording video, um, I wasn't there live myself, sadly, but <laughs> she, it is so gorgeous. And I think, um, who was singing harmony? I, I wish I could quote the the actual performance that just like drew, put me in tears and made me love her even more. But um, 
yeah, I think I just look up to her as a vocalist. And sometimes when I'm like really trying to write, I'll think about Bonnie Raitt. I'm like, you know what? I need to sing in that register. Like that's a beautiful, powerful thing. Like I'll always look up to Bonnie Raitt in terms of, in terms of how she sings and writes. She's very powerful. This is one that I I had to really scour the internet to get a listen to because this is a bit of a an obscurity. Mount Vernon, oh, which yeah. people might know as Justin Vernon's band when he was not Bon Iver, but mm-hmm. is this because is this your Eau Claire connection from growing up in mm-hmm. in Eau Claire? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So this record or CD, I remember being so obsessed with it. Um, so a bunch of growing up in Eau Claire, a lot of kids go to this camp called Camp Manitou. It's a YMCA camp. And like, you know, my camp counselor was in this band, Sarah Jensen. And um, she, I was probably a fourth or fifth grader when I was in her cabin. She was my counselor. And um, this song in particular, I remember listening to on repeat because I, it, looking back, I think it was my first connection to music that like, had some sort of connection to how beautiful the outside world is and how beautiful and how great it feels to be like out in nature. And that's a huge part of my life now. Yeah. And um, the imagery in this song in relationship to like how beautiful, how beautiful the world can be, like it, it just moved me and being like a sixth grader, it was huge. It was a huge inspiration for me to hear songs that like, you know, you hear a woman's voice like belting about how gorgeous, how gorgeous the world is and how much love and joy there is in that. And you didn't really hear a lot of music like that in the 90s, you know? No, not at all. No. Good night. 
I'm sleeping in a dream If I have love to give to thee Nothing left to question Nothing left to question Sun's making love Like some, like she sings, like, and the sun drops so away, we could swim. And you'd say, Love's a place where all life begins. And like that connection between how it feels to be like out in the sunlight, drenched in the summer, like morning dew. I'm like, Yes, you know, <laughs> I'm a sixth grader, like, Yeah, that does feel good. <laughs> and like, we should think about this. Um, yeah, so, and those were, you know, some of the the artists that were in that band Mount Vernon have gone on to do such wonderful things musically, but to see that in a small town, these kids who were in high school at the time, um, writing songs like this and recording music and performing it, that was just hugely influential to me. So The next one, and this was a song I was not familiar with, but I I thought this was just absolutely devastating. Patty Griffin making pies. Oh, yeah. So uh, this took me by surprise, and I, I was really into it. But so kind of jumping from like middle school you uh, with, with something 
locally, where are we now with Patty Griffin and making pies and kind of like what this means to you and how this um, might have impacted your life as a singer and songwriter? Um, so maybe the first time I heard this song and this record and started listening to Patty Griffin, I was a high schooler, sophomore year of high school. Um, and this song in particular, like kind of haunted me. And looking back, I'm realizing it was like, maybe my first encounter of like really thinking about what it feels like to be an older person. And, <laughs> and I know that sounds strange, but it's like, it's really, you know, the imagery of the song is like, wow. You know, it's, 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 it, I had never put myself in the shoes of someone who's like lived a life and they're looking back at it and like feeling melancholy and feeling all these feelings while doing a simple task, like making pies in their kitchen um, and that was really powerful to me. I, I think this whole record too, um, vocally, like she is an incredible singer as well. And I really connected with like the power behind her voice, um, and looked up to just like her wisdom and her songwriting as a high schooler, um, that, that moved me. So the country. And I think about this too a lot when I'm writing, like how can you take just like a really simple, small mo mundane moment mm -hmm. in any person's life and like write a song about it. And I think the song is exemplary of that. So for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I know that you, you put, you had put out a couple of albums under your own name and then you took a break and then you, what brought you back to music? to launch a new project under a different, like a, a, not your own name. Yeah. Um, for me personally, you know, I miss, like, I really like having an outlet to, to like, not force me to write songs, but sure. I love the process of writing so much that I like having kind of this excuse to continue to like work on that practice. And cause it feels really therapeutic for me. Um, and I also love the connection. Like I was really missing connecting with other musicians and artists um, in collaborate in collaboration, especially. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I just felt like I wasn't done yet with that. <laughs> you know, okay. I missed it. I really missed it. Um, and going to shows and when I would find the time to experience, 
you know, music, live music or recorded, it was always just like, Ooh, you know, I want to keep working at this because it feels, it feels good to sing songs. It feels good to write them and it feels good to connect with people. Coming up to the song by Lowe, Duluth's very own, when, yeah. you, uh, when I Go Deaf. And so um, were you aware of, like, did you listen to Lowe or were you aware of Lowe before you, like, moved to Duluth and kind of became active in, in performing around there? Kind of what, where are we now in your life with this one? Um, well, I moved to Duluth in 05 to go to college and I did not, I had never heard of Lowe. And I would say my first maybe two years living in Duluth. I still didn't know who Lowe was. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and it wasn't until like my sophomore year in college when I started performing in a band and playing around town um, and making some connections into the Duluth music scene that I, uh, you know, started to dip, dip into their catalog. And this song, I believe, came out the year that I moved to town. Yeah, The, the Great Destroyers from 2005. Yeah. yeah and so even though I didn't hear it when it came out, it, this was one of the first songs I ever heard by this band. And, um, I, I just, again, the, it was mostly the lyrics that did it for me. I was like, damn, this is such a, such a strange concept for a song and so beautiful. And Alan has a knack for that type of writing where kind of like I was talking about with the Patty Griffin song, like mm -hmm. take one small idea that, that most people, you know, have never written about or, or you wouldn't think feels important and, and, and structure a song around that. Um, and I really connected with that. So, um, yeah, a whole song about if, if you ever go, if you go deaf, like if yeah. you lose your hearing and, <laughs> and what love might feel like in that moment, you know, I, I just think that's so obscure and I really love that. When I go down, when I go 
you know, this EP that I'm putting out, at, I actually did in Alan's living room <laughs> and he <laughs> produced it. So, um, so he's, he's so great at being a part of the community here. Um, and I really admire that because it's small. We're a small music community. I mean, Duluth isn't that big. It's not that small. It's not that big, but there's a lot of people doing stuff here. And I think Alan really um, is mindful about just like being in this music community and making connections with artists here. And um, that's inspiring to me, you know, being someone, not, not a lot of people stay in Duluth. A lot of people will live here for a while and they'll leave. And I've, I've been here now for a lot of years and I, you know, I own a house here. I'm, I'm here for a while. And so it's like, now that I'm making music again, I really do look up to Al in that sense that like, you know, I want to be fostering connections in this community as well as, as the ones that I, you know, as well as the cities in Eau Claire, yeah. but I really, I really like to be um, fostering connections here. And, and I think that he does a great job with that. What other kind of artists are like in the scene in Duluth? Because I mean, I I just was there for like a couple of days pretty recently. My wife went to a film screening. There was like a documentary that was being premiered about people who surf on the lake during the winter. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so she went to the premiere of that night. I came with and I we, I we brought our dog with and I just stayed in the Airbnb with our dog. But I just what other kind of out, outlets like are there venues like small venues for people to play like what what other what other kind of acts are like coming up right now in Duluth like fo- like in the in the scene that's being slowly fostered well it's been interesting because of the pandemic um i just recently am meeting bands who are like now people are starting to play out again sure. and a lot of a lot of venues are didn't make it um and so what we have in Duluth right now kind of feels like these big, beautiful, giant, you know, theaters or rooms like the North Shore Theater or Sacred Heart Music Center or like breweries, Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, it's yeah, it's nice to have music while you're having beers and that's cool. But they're not really listening rooms by any means. No, no, that's got to so, be frustrating for anybody yes, playing. Yeah. yeah. And so and then there's a couple there are a couple smaller music venues that are, you know, bar bar music venues that people go to to listen to music and um like the ripple and blush and um and then i'm noticing some like kind of diy shows popping up which is really cool um and i think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that until those like medium-sized music venues kind of come back um and so now it's just like a lot of younger artists kind of playing sitting in with each other and playing together and and having house shows and um I think that's a really cool scene but it's 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 hard to say how sustainable that is yeah. you know for for artists and it's definitely hard to get bands to tour through here you know because it's not in the way of anything <laughs> unless you're going to Canada it's not in the way <laughs> Um, or on the way. So, yeah, but that kind of makes it insular, insular, um, in terms of us just sort of having our own little thing. Um, and that's, that's cool too, you know, the circus is falling down on. 
top is crumbling down It's raining in Baltimore 50 miles east Where you should be No one's around I need a phone call Well, we made it to the end of your, we got one more and then we're at the end of your list. This has All been right. great. The last one you picked was Counting Crows, huh. Raining in Baltimore. And <laughs> it had been, it had been a minute since I had listened to this because I love the Counting Crows. I love oh, their the first three Counting Crows albums. Uh, I love so, so much. Mm-hmm. The other mm-hmm. albums after that, I would say are of diminishing returns. <laughs> right. True. Um, but this song, I had, it had been so long since I played this and I was listening to it when I was doing something at, in the house and I was like, who, this one still hits like this mm-hmm. one still packs a punch. Um, so kind of now that we're at the end of your list, where does, where, how do you feel about counting crows? Where are we in your life with this one? Um, and why, and why raining in Baltimore of anything? Uh, off of yeah. this album? You know, it's probably been years, years, years since I've actually listened to this song. Um, but I'm glad it's at the end of the list because I think it's illustrative of something that I try to carry with me as a songwriter. And that's the fact that if you have a good song, you don't have to do shit to it. Sometimes you can just sing it and play the piano or play the guitar and it can like, it can still hit. Right. And this song in particular, it's like, just Adam Duritz playing the piano and singing. I'm pretty sure I would have. There's to a little him. bit of there's a little bit of an accordion that comes in. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, but yeah, it is one of the more sparsely arranged tunes yeah. on this album for sure. Yeah, and it's it's like a song of sadness. Um, in my mind, it like it feels very sad, but um, it feels very hopeful and kind of like. I don't know, like the man singing about like need in the lifeline, like someone come and help me out here. And um, yeah, I forgotten about that part. And that really, I was like, Ooh, he was going through some things. And like that really, that really still resonates. I was just like, this, this still hits as hard as it did when I heard this uh, and kind of understood it more when I was in my early teens. Yeah. you I guess that I should
guess it's time to put the top down I need a phone call I need a raincoat I really need a Yeah, and and Counting Crows had a big impact on me in my teenage years. I just loved some of the imagery in in those lyrics. Um, and yeah, I think this song is like it's just a prime example of a of a good song that encapsulates a feeling that we all have at some point in our lives. And he sings it with such you know like utter honesty. Yeah. And I think that that is something that as a songwriter, I'm like, yep, I need to tap into that, you know? So do you still listen? Will you sit down and still listen to the Counting Crows now? Like, do you still um, fuck with their albums or is there like a, a threshold where you're like, <laughs> after the song from Shrek 2, you're like, nah, this ain't it. Oh, don't remind me. Um, no, I think <laughs> maybe once a year I'll put on August and everything after okay. and it feels so good. <laughs> And it feels so good, but I don't need it more than once a year. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I I still I regularly return to Recovering the Satellites, which is their uh, second album. I really yes. like that one a lot. Yep. Um, do you know, have you I I assume if they had such an impact on you, maybe you've done a deep dive on have you ever heard the actual song August and Everything After? Never. Okay. I need to get into this. Tell me more. So, do you do you know like kind of the mythology around that at all? No. Okay. So this is like when I was in college and like shortly after when I was done with school, I kind of found myself pondering that song because it is a song. The artwork for the album is like the lyrics to that song, but it's not obviously not on the album. Right. So like all the words that are on the front cover and everything are the lyrics to a song called August and everything after. And the mythology goes that it was so long. It's like seven or eight minutes. And it was just Adam Dirt's playing the piano. It was so long. He kept like fucking it up when he was trying to play it and like <laughs> do it in one take. And they ended up like scrapping it and doing raining in Baltimore instead because it was shorter and it was a similar in tone kind of oh, song. Interesting. I'm sure I'd love it then. You're waking up Maria because everybody else got some place to go. And she makes a little motion with her head rolls over and says she's going to sleep for couple minutes more I said I'm sorry to Maria for the cold-hearted things that I have done I said I'm sorry by now at least once it's just about everyone she says I've forgotten I'm supposed to do 
every day It slips my mind what I'm supposed to say We're getting older and older and older And always a little further out of the way You look into your eyes And it's more than your heart will allow In August and everything after You get a little less than you expected somehow There are record, like, really, really questionable quality recordings of it online that you can hear on YouTube. Um, where he's performed it live as like an encore. Um, and he kind of messes up a couple of times because it is so long and like he's in the wrong key a little bit or like fucks up the like what pian- like what part he's playing and he kind of like stops and then start like starts that part again. Um, it's sprawling. There is like no chorus. It is, I love it. They did a proper studio recording in, I want to say, maybe 2019 as a, unfortunately, an Amazon.com exclusive. Ooh. Yeah. I was a little like, come on, you guys. Do you really it need to? It these days. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so there is like a proper studio version of it with like orchestral flourishes and whatever. And like the Ooh. lyrics, I think, are similar Like, the song shifts occasionally depending on when he's playing it. But, yeah, there's, like, a whole compelling backstory to it. And it's, like, it kind of gets weighed down by its own mythology. But it's also really good. And, like, the imagery in the song is really interesting to me. So if you have time and you ever want to go on, like, a deep dive on bootleg performances of that tune, YouTube YouTube will uh, open up some doors for you. Oh, I love that tip. I definitely have time and I will deep dive. <laughs> I just that. like, I, I, I mean, I don't remember even why I started thinking about this, the, it as a song that they possibly had played or written and never recorded. But I, I was on like this mission for the longest time to figure it out. And like, I think it's, yeah, it's not something that they do often when they were touring regularly but like yeah he would play it as an encore occasionally and uh people that. people would just lose their minds i'm gonna have to listen yeah. i heard he was doing like an instagram cooking show or over the pandemic adam that, that, that sounds about right i mean that's what what else was everyone doing during exactly. the pandemic yeah. um i did not know he was doing that i know he shaved off his dreadlocks a long time ago mm-hmm. and he had a podcast i thought but I, did, I don't follow him on the grams maybe i should maybe i should see what he's up to yeah you're gonna get more than what you ever envisioned <laughs> uh anything else you want to talk about or that we didn't that we didn't get to during the the tunes here or is that is that it i think that's good i think cool. we spanned, spanned a lot of we did territory. spend a lot of time um where can folks find information about you and all of your your the music that you have and kind of where you are on the internet just so people know where to check you out i would say my website has most of the goodies and links on there which is lanewmusic.com okay Cool. Oh, yeah. There you go. You hung your demons out to dry. Slow September.
beat is fresh. I just want to let that ride for a little bit. Hey, a million thanks to my guest on today's show, Sarah Kruger. Once again, if you want to check out any of her tunes, you can go to lanewmusic.com or you can go to her Bandcamp page, which is lanew.bandcamp.com. That is L-A-N-U-E. The new EP is called Fire In My Mind. came out in the middle of April. Um, At the end of the show, you heard a little bit of the song September, which is from her self-titled the new album which came out in 2021 that was one of my favorite songs of last year and this one this absolute bop that we are listening to right now is called nothing hits me you can cop both of those buy them download them stream them share them with your friends share them with your enemies if you have a nemesis like i do maybe share it with them too i don't know it's time for the fine print of the program this has been Another episode of the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. I have been Kevin Krein, a.k.a. Kevy Fly, your boy. This, of course, is the audio extension of the award-winning music website, taking the fun out of music since 2013, home of the long read, home of the poorly written think piece, anhedonicheadphones.blogspot.com. You can fuck with me on social media. Uh, find me on Twitter. All my cries for help are there. It's at KevyFly. And then I am also at KevyFly on Instagram, which is usually a lot less cries for help and mostly just pictures of my dog. Um, also, if you are so inclined, you can do the thing that people do with podcasts. You can rate and review. You can smash that like button. You can follow. You can subscribe. Whatever. I don't know. I'm on all the podcast platforms, the cursed ones, the less cursed ones. I'm really out here doing this. Uh, It's just me doing all of this. It's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun, question mark. But please support the show as you are able. Listen, tell a friend. Again, Um, I'm just out here doing things, doing big things. So until next time, uh, I hope this finds you as well as you were able to be. Uh, Despite what people want you to think, the pandemic is certainly not over. So please keep wearing a mask. Keep washing your hands. Black lives still matter. And adopt, don't shop. I'll see you next time.